I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Well, welcome, everyone. Welcome. Well, Jamie's a therapist. Of course, she has her lenses on. She's ready. (laughs) Ready to go. Yes, I've been cursed with bad eyesight as a result of becoming a therapist. I I don't think it's a curse. I think it just adds to the aesthetic. Mm-mm, of course, <laughs> it makes yes. people trust you. You know, people always trust someone with glasses on. So, mm. <laughs> and we're gonna need all the glasses because we have to evaluate everything that is the movie we are discussing today, which is Knock at the Cabin, continuing on in our M. Shyamalanathan. You have to understand that we cannot and will not choose who is to be sacrificed for you. And just as importantly, we cannot act for you. You cannot kill yourselves. We're not choosing anyone. We're not sacrificing anyone. Not now, not ever. Even if it means the death of everyone else in the world. Yes. Even if I believe the world was at stake, which I don't, that's what it means. I would watch the world die a hundred times over before having a Christ. Waste of time. They're never going to choose to do this. I don't blame him. Woo woo. Knock, knock, knocks. Knock, knock, Inserting knock. Inserting knocks. Knocks in. No. <laughs> no. That's an easy one to find. You can find some knocks. Be you can okay. record a knock. I'll do a knock. Knock, knock, knock. There you go. It's coupled with the voice. It's like you have yeah, to yeah. say Yeah, you knock. can't just knock. You have to sound it out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, <clears throat> of course... Knock at the Cabin was directed by a one M. Night Shyamalan, but it's based on the book The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul G. Tremblay. And it stars Dave Batista. We love it. You know, uh, I don't know if I told you this, but I'm like a super wrestling fan. You might know that. Right. But anyway, mm-hmm. so anything yeah. with wrestling fans, it's like, yeah. Dave mm-hmm. Batista giving a really great performance in this. Uh, of course, Hamilton related, we have our king, our one and only king, Jonathan Groth, uh, in this as right. well. He will always just be King George. Mm-hmm. And then we have, uh, to round out the cast, Ben Aldridge, Nikki Amuka Bird, Kristen Sway, Abby Quinn, and Rupert Grint. So obviously heavy spoilers for Knock at the Cabin, not to be confused with any of the other millions of cabins movies there are. Uh, <laughs> and Jamie, any trigger warnings for this? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely some insides on the outsides. Um, there are some religious overtones, apocalyptic themes. Um, there's also, uh, you know, focus on hate towards queer people. Um, with physical violence. So that also makes an appearance Um, and representations of like guns and other violent imagery. So if you don't like that, then this might not be for you and that's okay. 
again, there are many other cabin movies. There's I mean, so I think many they also movies. have out like insides on the outsides, but you know, other other cabin movies to to uh, fill the void in your life if you need it. Mm-hmm. If this is not for you. So before we get heavy, heavy into things, uh, producer Brian, do you want to give us some words before we uh, start off? Somewhere Should sure. we knock and let you in? Ooh, <laughs> great idea. It's like passing a talking baton, like a, like a, like a <laughs> yes. Boy Scout yeah. camp or like mm-hmm. Girl Scouts, whatever. Um, so uh, yeah, hi everybody, producer Brian here. Um, as a reminder, we are on YouTube. Hi everybody, hi YouTube. Uh, so find all of our episodes on YouTube. You can see us talking about them as opposed to just listening to us. Um, you can also find us wherever you are on social media at talk horror pod. We are almost at 10,000 followers on TikTok. We're at like Yay. almost at 9.7 thousand. So like we are, we're, we're getting to 10 K. I'm very excited about that. Um, so follow us on TikTok. We're also on Twitter and we're on Instagram, um, at talk horror pod. Beautiful. Oh, that's so exciting. Yes, I know. Guys. I'll finally that get cool. playlists. Oh, my God. <laughs> if only the only thing, guys, please just follow so that Brian can put everything in order like he wants. Yes. <laughs> it's really all he wants. That's <laughs> it. But I get I mean, it. You know, we might get there by the time this comes out with the way that likes and follows are coming in. But we'll see. We'll see. Yes. Fantastic. Well, let's get into it. I think there's some new things, though, that you guys want to talk about, some things you've seen, some things you've done, some places you've been. Talk to me about it. Yeah, we are. We have world traveling experience to bring back to the podcast. Yes. We just went on a little trip to Amsterdam and Paris, um, and it was, uh, you know, so much eating and walking mm. Um, but some really cool highlights we, in Paris, we went to now, okay, please don't come for me. If you are French or can speak French, I only studied Spanish. I, I am Latinx. I really, I have a really hard time with French, uh, Père Lachaise Cemetery. Um, Mm. we, we visited that. We spent like a whole, like most of an afternoon there just walking around and looking at these like really beautiful, uh, like cemetery plots and, and uh, like everything was just like so intense and gorgeous. And like, we just like got lost in there and like saw mm-hmm. like a lot of famous people are entombed there. So it was a really like incredible experience just getting to kind of walk around and, and we saw a cemetery cat, um, shout mm-hmm. out to that cemetery cat. Um, and then on another day, we took a guided tour into the famous Paris catacombs. Mm. Um, that was like truly, I, I don't even have words. Like it was just like, it was so wild. Like Brian, you talk about it. Well, we had a very <laughs> as above, so below day that day. We did yeah. not, you know, see Nicholas Flamel or anything like that. But, um, yeah, it was cool. You know, you walk down like a hundred stairs, a hundred plus stairs into the catacombs. You're walking through like tons of tunnel. Apparently there were over 200 miles of tunnels underneath, um, uh, Paris. Uh, there were over 6 million remains, um, underneath Paris when they moved all of the bones from other cemeteries into the ossuary and the catacombs. Uh, and we talked a lot about the cataphiles, the ones who sneak into the catacombs and not just the catacombs, but 
all of the tunnels that were old mining tunnels, not just the ossuary tunnels and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we talked a lot about that. And obviously we had a, it was very spooky, very damp, very uh, claustrophobic, but pretty impressive. If you want to see more from our trip, I posted all of it on our TikTok. So you could see our Père Lachaise um, experience where we saw like Jim Morrison's grave, Edith Piaf's grave, uh, George Surratt's grave, like all tombs and all of that stuff. That was super cool. Um, we also went to the Pantheon Crypt um, where we saw like Victor Hugo's tomb, Marie Curie's tomb, Alexander Dumas' tomb. Um, That was super cool as well. So we had a very spooky experience in Paris in between eating uh, our steak frites and escargot and steak tartare, of course. (laughs) Yeah, we had to fuel up to do more spooky things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Steak and frites all day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we had a great time. We saw the spooky stuff was awesome. But it was like it was it was gorgeous too. It wasn't just like, you know, it was there was something because of the history, it was it was pretty Mm -hmm. pretty eerie, but also beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how long were you uh, did you actually stay in Paris? We were there for like four and a half days. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I was only I went to Paris but only for the day. Um oh, wow. and definitely saw what I could, but it yeah, was of more course. of like let's eat eat all the things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hell yeah. So definitely had the steak and frites and the tartare, which I didn't know exactly oh what God. that was. And halfway through eating it, someone told me what it was and I was like, I can't mm. eat the rest of this. Oh, um, I ate so much tartare on this trip. Uh really? it was so good. Oh my we God. So I was much. like, oh my God, too much. Between that and like the creme brulees at like every single Ooh. after mm. every dinner. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh man. It was like truly decadent. So much, so much good food. Ugh. Yeah. I'm like, when can I go back and just like get a bag? I felt like, so I, I, the day that we went to the cemetery, we like popped into a boulangerie and we just picked <laughs> up our, our little, uh, baguette and like walked down mm-hmm. towards the cemetery with our mm-hmm. baguette. And I was like, yes, this is yeah. the life that I want. What am I doing? <laughs> was, How do I get this? It was this? awesome. Right, you got to figure out a way. Just, move, just move it. Not to humble brag, but that we had been there before, so mm. we were able to like not have to commit to like Eiffel Tower and Champs Elysees and all. Like exactly. we were able to like explore some of the neighborhoods we may not have seen on the first time. You know, it's like watching The Sixth Sense. <laughs> the, the first time you're getting a feel for it. Oh my gosh, the <laughs> twist! And the second time you're like, okay, let me explore this a little bit more. Absolutely. Truly, mm-hmm. what you just said were the only two things I got to do when I was in Paris. And then yeah, <laughs> like totally. Eiffel Tower, maybe the Louvre, Champs Elysees, up to the Arc de Triomphe. Like that's that's like the yeah. that's the highlights, and they're amazing. And right. then and then you you figure out what you want to do outside of that. Totally, you got to get those Instagram <laughs> shots. You know, you have to. Have the to get shots. Well, speaking more on the watching side, I know that we're going to have an episode of this, but. Um, because The Last of Us has been happening, mm-hmm. um, me and my roommate here, uh, she suggested that I start watching The Walking Dead, which I have never watched any episode of. <laughs> Wait, oh, you started wow. watching The Walking Dead? Yes. So it's just been like zombies <clears throat> 24-7 here, which has been Whoa. <laughs> And so <laughs> right now we are in almost at the end of season two. And I don't want to, spo- I mean, I know this has been like years, years, years ago. I still don't want to spoil it for people because all I'm, all I'm going to say is, damn it, Sophie, Sophia, damn it, Sophia. Oh, I, I, I know. And I don't want to ruin it for people just because that moment was 
so amazing to me how everything was built up towards it and the ending results of that. And it was just one of like, I, I literally was like standing and like stomping my feet and crying. <laughs> that's that the barn moment. sequence, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. that's my, I, I still need to finish season 11, like the final season of the walking dead, but I watched every single episode of it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll have to keep, keep you guys yeah. updated. Cause we're literally like just slamming through it. Uh, and so. based on what Nikisha said, all, all you listeners out there, we are going to be covering all of the last of us once the first season ends. Uh, so stay tuned for that episode. Yeah, super excited for that. Okay. Definitely. Well, let's get into this episode because there's so much to talk about. Oh, God, mm-hmm. so much. So we need a plot summary of this. What's the plot? <laughs> I think it's probably my turn, and this yeah, is going to be really terrible. I think it is I'm your turn. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit when it's my turn to go. Yeah, I'm going to say it's your turn. <laughs> Okay, we are going to let you do the plot summary because we're so kind. And uh, we'll put two minutes on the clock. Mm. And Nikisha, tell us the plot of Knock at the Cabin and go. So we open up with this really cute girl. Her name is Wynn, and she is hunting for grasshoppers. And we see Dave Batista come up to her, and he's just kind of talking to her, chatting, helping her catch grasshoppers. And you're thinking, like, why is he here? What is going on? Why is this grown man talking to this little girl? Uh, Eventually, he says that he is really sad because he has something to do today that he doesn't want to do today. And then we see all of um, his group of friends, you know, Ron Weasley and the gang, uh, coming up behind. (laughs) And uh, Wynn is like, I don't know what's happening. Let me go run to my two dads. Uh, And so she gets into the cabin, uh, the infamous cabin, with her dads. And her dads are like, "Um, I don't know what's uh, happening here. We think you're making this up because you're a child. We don't believe in you. And then we get a knock at the door. It's Dave Batista and the gang. The gang's all here. And they come into the, uh, well, they want to come into the cabin. The dads are like, no, we're going to call the police. Great. They break into the cabin and say, okay, uh, we need you, one of you to sacrifice uh, one of you guys so that the world doesn't end. And they're like, no, we don't believe you. Um, so every time they say no, one of the gang like gets killed and then something crazy happens. And uh, eventually... Uh, everybody is dead except for uh, Dave Batista. And right before Dave Batista kills himself, he says, look, you only have a few minutes. Great. You only have a few minutes to sacrifice someone or the world is going to end. And so eventually King George, being the boss King George, he says, sacrifice me um, so that you can save everybody else. And so then he gets killed and... uh, Dad Andrew and Wynn get to go off, but not after a lot of people died because a lot of apocalyptic things have happened. And that is basically Knock at the Cabin. <laughs> Two, one, well done. Cool. That's the plot. I mean, there's like a lot of details in there, but that's basically the premise of the movie, you know. Really mm-hmm. crazy, apocalyptic things, and even throughout that whole thing, I was thinking to myself, this is why I do not like flying in airplanes, because that whole sequence scared the Oof. shit out of me. Yeah. But let's get into it with our first segment of likes and gripes. 
And now our likes and gripes. And of course, tell us, we had to see this movie in theaters. It wasn't streaming anywhere. So also talk about your movie theater experience, if that was something you want to add to that. Jamie, do you want to start? Sure. Um, my movie experience was there was a button to heat up the seats in the theater and my button got broken. So my butt was like on fire for like a third of this movie. It was very uncomfortable. It was like full, it was like pushed in. So I was like trying to like fix it. Um, it eventually went off and I was like, oh my God, like they don't joke when they want to keep your tissues warm. Um, so (laughs) I, I don't recommend, uh, turning that on. Um, so I've been like sitting with this movie, you know, since we saw it in theaters a few days ago, I thought it was okay. Um, I think in like the grand scheme of like M Knight's full filmography, it was, it's on the better end. Um, but like kind of just on its own, it didn't really do much for me. And I, I, and maybe, you know, I, I get it that everyone has their opinions and I'm saying that cause I don't want anyone to come for me. But I, despite kind of what some of the other things that I've heard from people, I wasn't super crazy about the casting. Like there were things that kind of like didn't really land for me in terms of like Dave Bautista being this role of like, you know, yes, they needed a character who's like big and brooding to, to like add to the, the fear that the, the two, um, main characters were, were grappling with of like, Oh God, these people are coming to like attack us. And like, that's scary, but I don't know. Like I do really like Dave Bautista and like, I think he's a really good person and I'm excited for him to like continue to grow in his acting career. Maybe it's because I have all of his other roles like stuck in my brain, but I had a really hard time, like, you know, internalizing his performance and like taking it to heart. There was something that like didn't quite land for me. And I think part of it is like, there was so much, I'm starting with my gripes clearly, but there was so much more talking than there was showing. And I felt like that was a really big, that was a really big gripe that I had. Like part of what, part of what this group who's experienced these visions are coming together to do is like, they're putting a huge burden on, on Eric and Andrew, like this huge decision that they have to make and, and what the impact is. And, and, you know, we get some of them trying to explain who they are so that there's more empathy from the couple when receiving this like really terrible news. Mm -hmm. But then there's no more of like, like, they're asking, you know, whether like, tell us what's in your visions, like, like show us specifically what you've seen. And they're just kind of like talking about it over and over again and then turning on the news. And like, that's really the only bits we get. But I, I feel like it would have been so much more compelling if any of the group, like you see it in the opening credits where there's like drawings that they have, but that's it. There's no more explanation of, I mean, there is explanation. It's all talking, but there's no more, there's no visualization of what they, what they saw, what they experienced. Like they're saying that they like can hear the screams. Like what if there was like a sound editor where you could like hear what they're hearing for a hot second, like something else to just make it more real for us as the, as the audience, because like, it just, I don't know. It, it felt kind of, not lazy, but like, it just wasn't enough to compel me to really like grapple with this decision. Like, 
Mm-hmm. I, I wonder, are, are people coming to this more as like an Andrew or an Eric? And how are people like kind of processing like, what if I was in this situation? What if I was facing this? What, what, like, I imagine that these are conversations that people are having as a result of seeing this movie of like, what would you do if you were in this situation? Right. And like, you know, are you, are you likely to believe them or are you going to like experience more doubt and, and, you know, question what their real motives are? Um, but I just feel like it's so much harder to, to like, in turn, at least for me, again, to internalize what the the weight of it is when like they just keep talking about it and it just doesn't really land for me. Um, and it felt super redundant after a while because like there's four of them. And so like they're each just saying like, this is this is scary to me and this is what my vision is. And like, that's it. But they all have the same vision. It's like this shared vision. So it's like they're not even sharing any different pieces of information necessarily. They're all just saying the same thing. And we get that four times. So that that for me, like, just made this movie feel much longer, even though all in all, like, it's 100 minutes. It's not a long movie, which I actually really appreciate. I'm glad that it was on the shorter end. I think if it was any longer, it, it just feels so much more drawn out and, like, unnecessarily so. Um, so... That was, that's, that's probably my biggest gripe. It just felt really long and like unnecessarily, you know, uh, uh, what's the word for the talking a lot? <laughs> Exposition heavy. Um, yes. Not, yeah. Um, but that being said, like there were some performances that I did really enjoy. I did really like, uh, I, I liked the King's performance. I thought that Jonathan Groff, like there was also something of, you know, yes, we know who he is and like what type of performance he can deliver. But coming into this, you're also like, oh, he's the emotional guy. He's also the religious guy. But like, you can see all of that. I thought he performed it really, really well, where you can see like the gears turning in his head. You could see it in his eyes where he's like understanding and connecting with what they're, what they're sharing with him. And like, despite him having like had this concussion that he, there's still something that he's grappling with and he's like letting them in and all of that you can read on his performance. And I thought that that was really effective. I also then was able to guess the ending because of that, because it's like, oh, he's, he's obviously going to empathize with them. And then he's going to be willing to sacrifice himself. So like, it kind of, you know, makes it clear to guess what's going to happen next. There wasn't really anything particularly surprising about this plot. Um, but again, I at least was, you know, engaged with his performance, despite knowing that, like, it was definitely going to be him. Um, I also thought that Wen was really adorable. I I really liked that beginning scene and, like, setting the stage for, like, what was going to happen next and... Dave Patisse's character, like letting her guard down a little bit. Like she's still smart and she's still questioning things. And then like, you know, some of how he's interacting with her lets her let him in a little bit. And then immediately she's like, oh no, this is, this is all wrong. And like runs away. She was very cute. I thought that she like, you know, tried to make some like really smart choices. Um, she's probably one of the smartest people in this whole movie, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, she was incredibly charming and I hope that she has a big budding career ahead for her. Um, yeah, I'm just still, I'm still processing this movie. I feel like I need more time to sit with it, but ultimately it kind of fell a little bit flat for me feeling really meh about it. Um, I'm sure I'll, I'll tack on more thoughts as you guys kind of 
talk more about your likes and gripes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely have some things that I agree with in that respect, Jamie. But Brian, do you want to go next? Sure, I'll go next. But Nikisha, I do want to say mm-hmm. earlier when you were doing the plot summary and you kept saying like and the gang, I just imagined like Scooby Doo gang or like a uh, like n- like yes. a 60s 70s cartoon. Like yes. I don't know why, but then you said Ron Weasley and the gang, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> But when I say, I, Brian, that's exactly what I was thinking about. I was thinking about Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo and the gang. Yeah. You know? Yeah, just trying to that's stop it. an apocalypse. <laughs> just exactly. Yeah, exactly. That is their purpose. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So here are some of my likes and gripes. I agree with Jamie in that I thought this movie was totally fine. I was very engaged for the hour and a half, two hours. Um, and I also think because of the Sixth Sense and Unbreakable and a couple of other movies in there, um, like Signs and, and maybe Half of the Village... Um, He's definitely held to a higher standard in my head because I know what he's capable of, even though statistically he probably has more movies like this than he does like The Sixth Sense. But I thought this movie was totally fine. Um, I will start with some of my uh, I'll start with my likes. I'll go opposite of Jamie. Um, I did like Dave Bautista. Um, I have an asterisk next to him because I think he's excellent for Dave Bautista. I think that you could have cast that with an actor of a higher caliber and um, gotten a little bit more out of that role. So it's kind of like a dual, it's a double-edged sword. He's amazing in it for Dave Bautista. He's not like, it's not like an Ethan Hawke performance. You know, like, does that make sense? Um, So I have that there. Loved Groff. Um, I really appreciated the inclusion of um, hatred and PTSD because I liked the idea that his trauma was influencing the way that he saw that room. Um, I also love that spoiler alert, but this is all spoilers. I love that his attacker being there was actually the only coincidence. So they have that thematic through line where like. He asks he asks Jonathan's Groff character, like, is this all a coincidence? Like, there's no way that like like, you know, this is just all a coincidence because we're looking at their watches. But realistically, in the reality that we find out later on in the movie is that the only real coincidence is that his attacker happened to be one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Like, I thought that was fascinating. Um, I like the idea of that they chose um, they made a very specific decision to make the main couple a gay couple and choose their love as pure love. The idea that like they needed to make choices. They had to make the choice to adopt when they had to lie and say that it was his brother-in-law in order to adopt the child. Like they made all of these specific choices to show their love. So I appreciated that aspect of it. Um, and I also liked at the end when the waitress called her kid or whoever she was talking to, um, when they were at the diner at the end, that definitely got me because there he is sitting with his daughter and she's like, he, he feels the immediate personalization of what, um, his husband, uh, sacrificed himself for. So I thought those were really good. Some of my not sures, I'm not sure if this was a like or a gripe, I thought that the movie was a little bit too claustrophobic. A lot of this movie is filmed in close-ups. That whole opening sequence with Wen and Dave Bautista's character is literally like super close-ups of the characters. A lot of that happens in the actual cabin as well. Now, I totally understand 
that the, and there's also a lot of focusing. So like you'll it'll be someone in the foreground, someone in the background, and the camera will focus back and forth. Um, which I, M Night actually does quite a bit in his movies, but this one it's more um, obvious because of how claustrophobic it is. And I get that they're trying to convey the fact that like these people are um, in a bubble. There's there's a lot of stakes. Um, they are tied up. You're conveying the small cabin. Like I get why you're doing all this because you're you're showing this small small world that these people are living in where the problem is actually much bigger than that, but they're making the decision on like a personal level. So I, I appreciated that, but it did feel claustrophobic at times just in terms of, but maybe that's the point of the movie. Um, there were also a lot of off center shots, like that whole sequence with Ron Weasley with, with Rupert Grint's character, like he's framed in the bottom like quarter of the shot as opposed to being in the middle or something. I thought that was fascinating. Um, so that those, th those are some things that I was um, not sure about. I was also unsure about the score. I like the score, but I feel like even at the very end, when you're listening to the, the boogie shoes and they transition back into like the haunting score, I, I don't know if I liked that choice, but I understood it. Here are my major gripes with this movie. My major gripes with this movie and my biggest gripe, and this is a me thing. I did not need the explanation of the four horsemen of the apocalypse to me that brought the movie down to me that dumbed it down for an audience i got it i would have appreciated me thinking about it afterwards um but to me that was kind of the laughable part where it was like he needs to throw in his you know description of what's happening here but like i got it like it was i i like that i got it i like that he didn't that he didn't need to explain it but he did and that kind of that kind of ruined the moment for me if i'm going to be totally honest um um, I thought this movie, very similar to Jamie, was wildly predictable. Beat by beat, you knew exactly. I was ahead of this movie the whole time. I was like two or three beats ahead of this movie. Oh, he's going to kill himself? They're going to turn on the TV. Oh, they're going to kill him? They're going to turn on the TV. Like, it never deviated at all, maybe until the end with Dave Bautista, like, having to do it to himself and all the deck and stuff like that. But like, to me, that was like, it w I was just always ahead of this movie. And like, I didn't appreciate that. Um, um, I needed more specificity from the four characters. They all had one thing that made them nurture. She was a nurse, so she was nurture. Like, he was a teacher, so he was guidance. I needed more. I needed more specificity from those four characters. And honestly, if we had gotten more specificity and they still explained what they were for, Horsemen of the Apocalypse, I would have hated it even more, that whole moment. But, like, you know what I mean? But they needed to be more specific in those. What Jamie said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take what Jamie said and tweak it a little bit. I needed each one of them to have more tactics because they each had the same tactic and the movie was just like, okay, in my opinion, the stakes for the husbands was super high, really, really high. The stakes for the four horsemen, as I'll call it, or the gang, the Scooby gang, um, were not high enough. I felt like they were like, hey, like, there's this apocalypse. Like, you got to make a decision. What are you going to choose? Oh, we're going to murder this person. Okay, hey, here's some eggs. Like, we're just going to... I felt like that their visions, their stakes needed to be higher. I don't care what was going on in their head. To me... For me, per, that's that's the that's the interesting thing about the movie. Are these two people going to believe them? But I needed them to work harder to make them believe them. And so, like, and does that involve showing them their drawings? Like, does that involve them? He says the news report too late in the movie for me. He needed to like repeat what the person was going to say earlier in the movie because I needed more like 
questioning of what they're doing because like I would say 75% of this movie they're not questioning them enough the only thing that gets him to question is the fact that he had a concussion and sees somebody and, and he, he just empathized with the mother character and all that I needed more tactics from them um, but my two biggest problems with this movie and this is so stupid but I'm a crazy person there is no way that those anchors wouldn't have been emotional showing that footage until the last one. There's no way. She's like, um, and there's a huge tsunami in Seattle. Uh, here's the footage. Like, it would have been like, th- that. I didn't believe it. I didn't. And honestly, because it was so poorly acted and conveyed, I om- there was a part of it was like, maybe this is all staged. You know what I mean? Because it was so unbelievable. That's the first thing. And my last thing is, there is no way that they would have potentially gotten that tsunami footage. And even if you believe that they were live streaming that tsunami footage and like they were able to pull it off the internet, that phone lasted way too long in the water. And that, and that took me completely out of it. Um, yes. So that, those are my likes and gripes. I still enjoyed it. Like I, but like those things pulled me out. Um, and there's a quotes about, I don't, I couldn't remember cause I didn't take notes in the movie theater. Um, quote about uh something about chicken there was a funny chicken line in there maybe i don't remember but i all i remember is chicken afterwards um uh so maybe one of our listeners can help me remember what that quote was um but those are my likes and gripes for this movie beautiful yeah a lot of what i'm going to say is the same basically kind of the same thing um i watched this in theaters I, i went by myself but then a bunch of castmates walked in and I was like, oh, I'm going to sit with you guys and watch the, watch the movie. <laughs> um, uh, so with your with gang? Came with your apocalypse with gang? My gang? With my, my apocalypse gang. Yeah, great. <laughs> but with that came a lot of commentary, including what you just said, Brian, about the phone and the tsunami. Because there is no way that they would have gotten that uh, footage. It was Wild. Yeah. And even uh, if you believe that he was live streaming it on TikTok or YouTube or whatever it is and you can pull it, that's fine. It still lasted too long. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It lasted way too long. So um, mine is, my list is just a mix of likes and gripes. I liked the title card and the font. I just thought that it fit in with the world and that was setting up for us. I thought it was cute. I, I liked the acting overall, um, and especially when, and I thought for Dave Bautista, like this is like one of his best roles, I think. I mean, of course, you know, Marvel World, like that is in its own thing. But for him to have uh, uh, such characters that kind of centered around the same type of person for him to do this was good for him. So like you said, Brian, this was uh, good for him. Um, I like that we get into the conflict right away when the Mm. movie starts, but as a gripe, I thought because we were put into the conflict so soon that there was going to be a big twist at the end and there wasn't. Mm, Sure. And so that was a huge, um, a huge gripe for me. Uh, I liked the wacky shots, the close-ups yeah, and yeah. stuff, because I think it was characteristic of the world and, and um, how these decisions are, are confusing and we don't know how people are going to react to these things. And so I think that coupled with those kinds of shots, it, it, it fit in the world for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did like that the intruders uh, gave backstory, but what I would have loved to have seen more was uh in order to prove that what they were saying was uh true i i wanted the details of how they met up because they really quickly go about um we met on a message board and this is you know blah, blah 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 um but i really think that if we got the details of like 
how they really met and came together because they are from all like separate walks of I feel and and if they could have conveyed that like to the couple to the family I think that that could have been another tactic so I think that all lies in with what you're saying Brian about yeah. like, tactics if I can I, I want to add to that for a second I, I kind of I love because I love that like mm-hmm. I don't I liked what I liked in the movie was that we got little pieces of information like the boardwalk they mentioned a couple times the mm-hmm. um the uh, message board but to me what if you're gonna explain the four horsemen of the apocalypse that's a perfect time to show them all on the message board in their houses to show them all i know i know that whole explanation is coming from groff's point of view but i think that's Mm -hmm. an interesting place to actually like show them meeting on the boardwalk being weird about it like and then being like well you nurture you know guidance malice like all of that stuff Right. with some of their individual backstories because I think then that's more emotionally effective and manipulative in a good way at that moment. I love that. I'm right. on board. I've got goosebumps. I'm on board for that. Yeah. We're going to redo it. <laughs> Great. So um, a, a gripe that I had, I just wanted more context as to why this was happening and I, I, I wrote that again and how the four horsemen got together. But to your point, Brian, like I immediately thought about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And when they said it, a friend of mine was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And I was like, wait, you didn't get that the whole time? Because I listen, mm-hmm. I don't consider myself the smartest of smartest people. But like one thing that has been ingrained in me is a whole bunch of religious stuff. And so immediately when they were all going in, I was like, yeah, like revelation. Like this is, mm-hmm. I thought this was like more of a widely known thing that this happened. So I'm glad that you said that, Brian, because I also felt that way. And I was like, why are you saying this? Like, duh, that's what this has been the whole time. Totally. Yeah. Um, also, and we're going to talk about this because Brian had mentioned this before we started recording. In some way, I didn't really like the how they were representing the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. because it just felt like, oh my God, they've already gone through so much and you chose this, like they have to make this hard decision when like their life is already hard. It just really was kind of like... I, I, I want the representation and I'm grateful that the re- the representation is there because it is needed, but it just kind of also took me out of it because they had to make such like a hard decision coupled with all of the flashbacks of them living a hard life. Mm. And so I don't know, maybe that's like to the point of the movie, but to me, it's like in the, in the climate that we're in right now, it's like, why do we yeah. need to have like this community suffering in this way for this moment? You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm wondering now that we're talking about it out loud, like when we'll, I'll pose the question a little bit cause I want you to finish your likes and gripes. But mm-hmm. now that you, you're saying it, I wonder if all of that was just to emphasize what a pure love they had because they had to, they had to navigate through more minefields that society has presented to them to find mm-hmm. That love that's not as easy as uh, a a man and a woman. It's not as easy as specifically like a white man and a white woman. Like, I I think that there are, um, I think that there are reasons for that. um, But I also agree with you. And we'll talk about that. But that's fascinating. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Yeah, 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 no, I know. Because I'm excited to talk about that. uh, Because I want to hear you guys' opinions on it. (laughs) But um, also a, a rules thing I was a little bit confused about, and maybe y'all can help me, but so this isn't the first time that a family had to sacrifice someone. They've said that. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, they allude to that 
I think so. But yeah. not them. Like right, my, not my question. Just that this has happened before in general. Okay, okay. Because I'm like, why are y'all so surprised if this, if like this is what y'all do? But I guess this is the first time that these four horsemen came together to mm-hmm. talk to this particular couple, and it's just been mm-hmm. different people, different times. Which that's also just really kind of like, wait, what? Yeah. But I guess in a sense too, because well. Anyway, I just confused myself. But it's like, why is there multiple four horsemen? But then I was thinking, oh, well, if they are killing themselves, then that makes sense that there will be other people mm-hmm. to go into their place. Mm-hmm. But a full apocalypse hasn't happened. So, like, mm-hmm. somebody has to still be alive. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And why yes. couldn't they continue on and still be one of the four horsemen and, like, gather up some more people and, like, continue on the thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and I, I, it does. And I know that this is not what the movie is about, but that's a fascinating point. No, no, I I think that's a really fascinating point because, like, what if, well, history always repeats itself, meaning Mm -hmm. that, like, every single time there's a, quote, apocalypse, it takes all four horsemen to die to prove the point because it t- it's a lot to convince them. So like, you know, right. you, you like maybe it's the flood, Noah and the flood. Like that was the first, you know, I'm just like making these mm-hmm. things up like as we're talking. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea that like no horseman has been good enough to convince them before the fourth person, before the fourth horseman, mm-hmm. before the fourth mm-hmm. Scooby gang, you know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and just a, a few more um back to the to the point of having like no twist then like why would the movie comment on Rupert like attacking the couple in the past if it wasn't going to be useful for like the the four horsemen and like what do you mean I don't know that just kind of it was like what well then why are you bringing this is it just to the point of like the couple and all that they have been like sacrificing in, in their lives. Yeah. I guess the way I saw it is that that's the thing that stopped him from actually believing it because the person who beat him up was as a coincidence in that room. So he mm. immediately thinks that this is just homophobia and bigotry yeah. and they're being attacked uh, versus like it just happens to be a coincidence that the person who attacked him and served time for his crimes happens to be the malice version of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, I think that was there for a misdirect, um, not okay. just for the audience, but for the character as opposed to anything more than that being a twist. And his gotcha. really bad um, beard in that flashback, which you could clearly like <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you can clearly see that yeah. it's it's him. Uh, but also in that whole um, sequence when Daddy Andrew was beating up Rupert, I immediately said, this guy's taking boxing lessons. And then like halfway through the movie, <laughs> you see the boxing yeah, lessons. Yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> because those were some very direct punches. And I thought, yeah, this, this mm-hmm. guy knows what he's doing. That was uh, mm-hmm. a great moment for me. Well, last thing a- I'll say. Oh, huh, sorry. No, yeah. you go for it. No, no, no. You say no, last thing I was going to say was hashtag boogie shoes, but hashtag trick daddy, because do y'all know that <laughs> trick daddy song that sampled boogie shoes? That's all I could think about. Oh, really? 
<laughs> there was a '90s, the '90s rapper Trick Daddy. He uh, sampled Boogie Shoes. So every time that whole opening uh, section of the song starts, it's like, which one is it gonna be? Is it gonna be Trick Daddy <laughs> rapping in the '90s, or is it gonna be like the actual Boogie Shoes? So I was laughing at that to myself the whole time. But yeah, <laughs> you say Brian? Uh, no, it was about the boxing. Here's another question, yes. and maybe this maybe this leads into our <laughs> representation uh, conversation. Um, uh, what I find interesting is that I don't know if I like this or not, but it seems as though that if you start from the from the end of the movie where he is now the protector of Wen and mm-hmm. you you kind of back up and he did all this boxing training and all that and maybe he is more ready and willing and able to protect this girl in a crazy world after Jonathan Groff's character is gone, which is part of the reason mm-hmm. why Jonathan Groff probably made the decision that maybe he's not the best one to stick around for Wen. Okay? Mm-hmm. But then you go back more and you're just like, Wait, so is this movie saying that he got beat up and, like, to prepare him for, like, you know what I mean? Like, if we're talking about, like, this, like, you know, everything happens for a reason or, like, this is your destiny or blah, blah, blah. Like, Mm -hmm. are we saying that, like, the malice for Horseman subconsciously beat up this guy so that he can take boxing lessons and be prepared to, like, take care of his kid. I don't really like that message if that's what the movie is trying to say, but I guess that then leads into... Question for you. Do you think that this movie helps or hurts LGBTQ plus representation specifically in horror movies since we as we all know there's that term and that's not just for horror movies but movies kind of kill your gaze where gay characters are sometimes similarly to like black characters being killed off first gay characters being these side characters that are kind of killed off to you know you know what's it called fridged you know when the girlfriend's head is in the refrigerator like you kill the girlfriend so that the man has a uh, has a reason to fight or whatever it is like wh- how do you feel yes. about this representation specifically in a horror movie Jamie do you want to go <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I just feel like it's redundant I don't think it's like doing anything particularly new um I think that I mean it reminds me of a a TikTok that I watched recently that like talks about um a recent episode of the last of us and I won't go into spoilers, but like there is representation in the last of us, like for the queer community. And it, instead of going through the same tropey things of like, here's all the terror, like why there's this constant thread of like folks who are marginalized constantly like just taking on more of that experience. And like, that's what we're seeing in horror. And like I've said, I just think that that's like boring at this point. We've seen it. Like we've seen it with people of color in horror. We've seen it with women in horror. Like I'm over it. You're still seeing it with queer people in horror. Like show me something different. We don't have to see the same threads of like, look at all these things that everyone has to overcome. Like we know that already. We don't need to see that. Like show me something different. Are there other ways where you can like showcase this, this pure love within this, like showing them adopt when was like showcasing the pure love. I don't need to see him get beat up at a bar. 
like, and you only see a little glimpse of it, but still, that's my, that's still my point. So I feel like it's redundant. I feel like it's just tropey. It's the same stuff that we've already seen. Um, there's a little bit of trying something new, but like lean into that. I'm, I am more excited about like, you know, there's more than just seeing what people have already had to endure. And the people who are representative of these identities know that already. They don't want to see versions of themselves continuing to go through it. They want to see like all of the wonderful things that people are experiencing. Show us that we are tired. Yes, I agree with everything because I can equate that to uh, black people in movies. And I don't want to see the suffering. I don't want to see you in Jim Crow. I don't want to see you in slavery. I don't want to see, you know, experiencing racism. So I feel like it's the, it can be the same in the LGBTQ community. Like you don't want to see that because that's we're it's, we're more than our suffering and you can incorporate, um, the inclusiveness of, of having LGBT community and their cultural things, you know, just like with like the black community, but that doesn't have to include, uh, all of the horror that happens. And like Jamie said, we we experience something every day. Like, I don't, I don't want to see it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, when I watch a movie, you know, so leave it out. (laughs) Sure. Um, I think this movie goes up and down with it. I think that, in, in you know, just now I kind of, I feel like it evens itself out in some ways, um, just in terms of like it all the sequences with like adopting when and just like you know all the positive experiences and then you get all the negative experiences and then you're supposed to believe like I don't know it 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 just it just goes up and down up and down I would say that the highs of this movie especially adopting when or just like them showing their love for each other like the what what's the term he says like always together or whatever he says um mm, mm-hmm. um I I love that aspect of things and I I almost wish that they had ended the movie that way I was when boogie shoes came on in the car at the very end and they're turning it on and turning it off like there that moment was beautiful like how do we remember him and it's so fresh and like how what kind of a family unit are we now i was super disappointed that the um that uh Daddy, Dad Eric, or excuse me, Dad Andrew did not say to when at the end, like always together, you know, like, like I was very disappointed. And then even in the flash forward, which was lovely when they're in the car laughing together, the fact that they didn't say, oh, like I, I wanted more of that to show that he is ever present in his life and they never, ever for one second think that the sacrifice he gave is just forgettable. Like I wanted more of that and less of the the other stuff obviously but um yeah I, in the end i think it's like good that these are main characters and this is what they're representing but i think when you once you get into the nitty-gritty details of it um we we could do better yeah absolutely there's just some some little extra things that i think would have rounded out the movie a lot more uh and you know made it more kind of a cohesive thing uh great so let's move on to our next section. Mmm, brains. Mmm. Brains. Tasty. Tasty. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm very happy that's a thing now. Yes. <laughs> okay, so Jamie, uh, the first question that I want to ask you, um, it's a really quick question and they mentioned really quickly about, uh, shared delusions. And I just want to know, is that a thing? Is that real? Did they make that up? Tell me about that. 
Yes. And it is a thing. And I had to look it up. And again, here's my, sorry, I can't really speak French, uh, <laughs> warning, but there's a French word called folie à deux, um, which is also known as shared psychosis. Um, and it stands, it means folly of two or like madness shared by two. It's super duper rare where essentially there is this like shared, like delusional belief, sometimes hallucinations between like at least two individuals. Um, that's fascinating. It is really fascinating. Um, you can, I mean, I think that it has the potential to be more than two people. So it could be like, I'm not going to keep going because I really can't speak French. When did the knock um, at the cabin episode become our become France a- Paris episode? <laughs> yes. yes. Oh man. Apologies. I'm, I, <laughs> I, I can only speak Spanish um, and poorly at that. So, uh, but yeah, so there's not, I don't know a ton about it because like, like I said, it is super rare. It's not something that like I have ever encountered or even necessarily like a population that I would have ever worked with. Um, but it is real. It's not fake. Um, there's, uh, there's like a few other horror movies, I think that have featured, uh, like this concept in it. The one that comes to mind is bug, with Ashley Judd, mm. um, which maybe I guess might be a spoiler, but um, <laughs> I, also based but yeah, on a play. So like, oh, there you go. Um, so so yeah, so shared hallucinations um, or like a shared psychosis is is a thing. Very 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 rare and probably very hard to diagnose. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine beginning that whole mm-hmm. research to figure that out. That's wild. <laughs> uh, great. So my next question, I would love for you to talk about how living your life guarded might cause you to not have empathy for others. And I'm speaking on uh, dad, Andrew, and him being kind of very protective over his family and not being empathetic to the four horsemen, even though of course they like want the four horsemen want somebody to be sacrificed. So like, of course, Mm -hmm. how do you find empathy there? But daddy Eric did. So, um, can you just talk about like how being guarded could affect, uh, your empathy? Yeah. I really like that question because I think, like you said, like, good question. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, what we strive for here. Good question. Yeah. (laughs) We do we have a now are are you gonna make a good no. question sound? No. Oh okay. Um, <laughs> immediately no. Immediately. No. We just cheer. Woo! Woo! Yeah. Um no, but I think like especially in this movie where you're getting those two different perspectives in in Eric versus Andrew, where Eric is like willing to let them in. Um I don't know if they were implying that like despite the the experiences that they've had together that have been negative, that like he also believes in a higher power to some degree. And like, how does that allow him to, you know, have more empathy? I don't know if that's also at play. That was just something I was thinking about. But um, I mean, I, I think that like, I definitely think that people who have experienced any kind of trauma or like, you know, just negative experiences out in the world, um, 
make it harder to see the good in people. It's like, oh, you know, I'm just like, I'm living my life and like people hate me and they're like actively, you know, like showing that to me, treating me a certain way, not just strangers in his case, but like also his own family and like what impact that has on his ability to connect with other people. Um, so, you know, despite, but despite that, like he still connects with, with his partner and like that there's empathy there for his partner, but still like this closed offness to everybody else. And I think, uh, Eric says that he, he has a temper, um, which is even like, that's the conversation that like prefaces when, um, when Rupert Grint like beats him up at the, at the bar. Um, so like, you know, whatever else is even happening before that incident that he has this temper, like, is he already closed off to some degree? And then this just like further accelerates him being super guarded and closed off and not letting anybody else in at that point. Um, anyway, all that to say is that I think it, like, it makes a lot of sense that like the more, the more negative experiences that you might have with like other people, whether they're people, you know, or people you don't like, it just makes it a lot harder to, give people the benefit of the doubt to see the good and positive in other people. Um, because like, that's that, you know, you're, you might slowly be generating this narrative for yourself that like, well, other people are bad. They don't see me for who I am. They, they, you know, they don't care about me. They're only viewing me one way and like, and they don't like it. They hate me. And so like, why should I give, you know, two shits about them? Why should I care about them? Why should I let them in? Um, and like the more things that happen, the more it reinforces that belief. So I think like <clears throat> it's it's then so much harder to like let people in when that's the narrative that you're running with. And it's not a wrong narrative. It's based on the real life experiences that you've had. Um, I think I think like building awareness into like, you know, is this the question that I always ask, like, is this helpful? Does it serve me to like hold these beliefs about other people? And so, and again, in many circumstances, the answer will probably still be yes. Like by, by being guarded, it allows me to protect myself. It allows me to not get hurt. And, and like that it's self-preservation and like that's adaptive in probably many circumstances, but is it adaptive in all circumstances? Is this impacting your ability to like do well at your job? Is this interfering with like your relationships with your colleagues and your boss? And you know, like that, that might be negatively impacting you. Is it getting in the way of your romantic relationship? Like you, it, this isn't necessarily a switch that you're turning on and off. How is this playing out in your family dynamic? Like, can your, is your daughter picking up on any of this? What is she learning about you or about the world as a result of the way that you are guarded and not letting people in or like how you are interfacing with the people around you in the world? So it's like, these things are definitely like permeating around us. It's not like most of these things are not just one note, like, oh, it's only happening in this area of my life, like with strangers. And then everything else is totally fine. It's like, that's not how these things work. So I think it's like, you know, checking in with yourself, especially for him as a parent, like is any of how he's interfacing with the world potentially impacting his daughter and like how she is seeing the world. I think that's like a much bigger question to be asking. Maybe it's, maybe these are questions that like, you know, people who 
aren't parents are thinking about in the same way. But I think it's more of like, how do you build awareness and, and insight into like, is the way that I'm interfacing with others potentially causing me more harm in some ways? Um, and that doesn't mean just totally let your guard down and let people come in and potentially hurt you. It's more of like, trust needs to be earned. How do you at least let people in enough to have them show you that they are worthy of being trust trusted? Um, and for those that are not like, don't let those people in, that's okay. Protect yourself. But are there people that are good? Are there people that like, do care that are also empathetic and compassionate? And like, do you have the ability, do you want to let those people in if they actually are good and caring and, and generous and kind? Good answer. Good answer. That was a great answer. <laughs> good question. That was good fantastic. answer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that because that was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. No more questions from me. That was that was great. <laughs> um, question. Uh, that was a nice cabin, right? Like that was a beautiful Airbnb. Ooh, yeah. We didn't mm -hmm. even talk about that. Like what we an didn't. Airbnb. Like I'm assuming it's Airbnb, like or something like or vacation VRBO. VRBO. Well, but mm -hmm. like that, like the beautiful woods, isolated. Mm -hmm. The walk to the dock. I don't. Oh, Ryan loves a good lake. A Ugh. good lake. Uh, I access. do. Okay, so mm -hmm. where would you rather stay? The night house <laughs> house on the lake, or uh, knock at the cabin house? I feel mm. like the the night house. It was closer to the lake, right? Like yeah. you could like the windows and you can yeah. see the lake. Mm -hmm. I think I would stay in that one because the, more the cabin and knock at the cabin was just like too many trees around me mm. and like mm. no sense of anybody is around and mm -hmm. yeah, that was that's a little too isolated yeah. for me. And if I'm gonna live at the night house house, I don't want my vacation home to also be a lake house, you know? Yes. Sure. Yeah. If your main house is a lake house, then your side house can't be a lake Gotta house. Be a it should be a beach, beach, beach house. house. Yeah. Yes. Or exactly. like a mountain mm -hmm. ski home. Oh but, yeah, après oh, ski. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Either way, though, both of them have to have a parlor room, though, right? Brian? Yes. Yeah. All houses are gonna have a parlor room. Yeah. yeah. And this is, this is not talking horror uh, real estate. <laughs> yes, real estate. Talking horror real estate. There will not be a insert. Uh, for that either. Um, but <laughs> I think this movie was supposed to take place in the Poconos in Pennsylvania because they say they're in Pennsylvania. Um, uh, but, mm. um, and that's like an hour and a half, two hours from Philadelphia where they're clearly living. Um, but I believe it was actually filmed in the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. Um, I could be totally wrong, but I thought that was interesting oh. if anyone cares. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, go anyway, yeah, that has been uh, Talking Horror Real Estate. <laughs> 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 awesome so let's get into rotten tomatoes then it's the rotten tomatoes game yes rotten tomatoes okay what do you think this has on rotten tomatoes uh jamie give us your rotten tomato score oh gross it's so rotten <laughs> That's I a great that. sound. Um, Fantastic. <laughs> I'm gonna say a sixty-four. All right, Nikisha. Yeah, I was gonna say a fifty-five. Mm. All right, this has a score of a sixty-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh dang, yeah, Jamie. The audience score is sixty-five percent, so it's like pretty, pretty even across the board. Wow. 
Um, That's awesome. The critics' consensus is, although it's often less than scary and parts of the story don't bear scrutiny, Knock at the Cabin is a thought-provoking chiller and upper-tier Shyamalan. Yeah, like in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of the or the spectrum that is M Night Shyamalan, do you feel like this falls kind of in the middle, closer to the not great? Where do you feel? As people who have seen multiple movies, I've only seen this is sure. number two. So, I've now seen every single M Night Shyamalan movie after seeing this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would say if we're even rent- Avatar. I've seen Avatar. I saw Avatar in movie theaters. I'm so sorry. Um, I would say that this is like, so if I'm going to rank them in terms of like tier one, tier two, tier three, this is like a tier two plus. It's not in his best of, it's not in his worst of, but it's better than middle of the road for him. So I'd say there's like a two plus. Got it. Jamie? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably right. I I actually think I liked old more than this. So... Just thinking about recent ones, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Middle, I still need to middle watch high, old. We'll get there, Nikisha. We'll get there. We'll get there. Does this? Got- does a movie like this, as someone who's only seen The Sixth Sense, and 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 listeners, <laughs> we're going to go through all of them with her. We're going to skip a couple. We'll go through most of them. <laughs> Nikisha, does this give you hope for what you're going to see, even though you know that like there are some real stinkers in there? You know, I'm just going to leave it uh, open for interpretation, you know, because there are people, I had a conversation with a friend the other day, um, and she's seen a lot of his movies, and she said that she ended up liking a lot of the ones that people hated. Interesting. So I want to just leave my mind open to the possibility of me potentially liking more than I thought, or more than what people like. Cool. Well, according to our schedule, we'll definitely get to Unbreakable and Signs this year. Um, so th- at least those two, and then and then after that, I think is the village. So we might even get to the village by the end of the year this year. So we'll get through his like phase one of his stuff, if you will, because that yeah. Mm, great. <laughs> cool. Yeah, super. By the time we finish, he'll probably have another one announced and that's probably true. And ready to go. Yeah. yeah. We will not be yeah. covering servant <laughs> in that. Maybe one day, but not not up front. Um, mm. All right. Should we do the? Uh, uh, four S's. Yes. Yeses. Skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns. Four S's. <laughs> All right. The four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Skulls is how well this movie handled mental health and human behavior. We rank it one through ten. Scares is how scary was this movie. We rank it one through ten. Um, shakes how much is this going to stick with you one to ten again ten being the best and then we'll go into our suggestions our suggestions um uh, jamie why don't you start with your numbers skulls scares and shakes yeah so i i have changed mine even when i first created this um so for skulls i'm going to give this a six i think i have it lower just because i didn't like the dialogue, but the actual like ways that people were behaving, I thought were <clears throat> mostly fine. And like truly, if if somebody was like really sh- like having strong convictions about a, a, an, something that they saw that they were experiencing these visions, then like you know they would they would take it and they would go with it and they would do what they needed to what they believed they needed to do. And I could believe that. I also believe that like you know, the people that were being 
held hostage would fight back and like figure out the best ways to get out of that mm-hmm. situation. So a six from me. Um, for scares, I gave this a one. This movie really isn't scary. There's definitely like some unsettling images like Nikisha mentioned when those planes fell out of the sky. Didn't like that. What I really didn't like was the scene with the um, with the wave because that's actually a recurring nightmare that I've had. Oh, where tsunamis. a giant wave is like coming to hit the the beach and I'm like on the beach and everyone's like, no, you have to go in the water so that we are all safe. I literally have trolley problem dreams about tsunamis and maybe, okay, maybe I'll give it a two because that's, I I think I even whispered like, oh, this is my nightmare. Like my actual nightmares that I have had um, to Brian in the theater. Yeah. So movies you shouldn't watch are (laughs) the impossible, the Poseidon adventure, deep impact. (laughs) Yeah. Big, big waves. 2012. Big mouths, big waves. Yeah. are not for me. Um, <laughs> so a two, I upgraded it to a two. And then for shakes, I'm giving it a five just because I'm still processing and sitting with this movie and like what I think it means um, and and overall how I feel like it went. So um, yeah, I want, I, I mean, I want more people to see it so we can talk to them about it. Cool. Nikisha, what about you? So I have... Uh, the six for skulls as well. Oh my god, so, me too! Six, six, six! Oh, word. Ah! Ah! <laughs> the true apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, that was yeah, so Pee this... Herman of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, something I'm scared of. <laughs> Pee Herman? Oh my god, yes, he's so scary! And she hates Muppets. <laughs> Stop Jamie. outing all of my. <laughs> <laughs> they're the oh, Muppets. No. All right. Yeah, they're they're okay. freaky. I don't know what to say. Great. No judgment here. But I'm so I'm sad because the Muppets are so great. Uh, okay. Scary. <laughs> um so yeah, six for skulls just for the same reasons that Jamie said. Uh I gave the scares a one and that's for the planes because that mm-hmm. is my literal nightmare. Hate it, hate it, hate it. And I hate for the like if there was ever a time where when you need to escape, like being on a plane would be beneficial. Mm. And like, I would have to get on the plane. Like, mm-mm, I hate it. Uh, even though I have to go to Ireland in like two months. So we're going to see how that goes. There are worse places to go. <laughs> Truly. I'm just like thinking of the destination sure. and not like getting there. Um, and then for shakes, I'm gonna give it a three, uh, because I haven't thinking about it. I saw this movie like, um, five, six days ago and it's still kind of been, it's still been in the brain pocket. Sure. So yeah. Cool. Um, I'm going to give, I gave this a six first for uh, skulls for the same reasons you did. I gave it a one for scares for the same reasons that you did. Uh, I gave it a five also for shakes. Um, I think I, if I'm going to be totally honest, it probably could get a six or a seven if it didn't explain the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Cause then it would have, I would have been <clears> thinking about it more like, Oh yeah, she was the, like, Leaving more up to me would have stuck around in my head a little bit more than just, mm-hmm. like, straight up explaining it to me. But that is what it is. Um, all right. Let's go with uh, suggestions. Jamie, do you have any suggestions that could pair nicely with this film? Yeah. I went with the uh, home invasion um, aspect. Mm-hmm. That's my – those are my choices. So I would suggest Hush and The Strangers. Good ones. Yes. Little triple pack. Triple pack. That's good. Nikisha, what about you? 
I went with cabin in the name. Mm. <laughs> and so if you want something that has an actual great twist, cabin in the woods, because... Mm. Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. And then slash cabin fever for shits and giggles. So cool. I feel like a uh, 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 knock at the cabin is like a good in-between. Yeah. A cabin trilogy? I love it. Um, I went with, um, the village. If you want another like two plus M night Shyamalan movie, in my opinion, I think the village would pair nicely with this. Um, I also, um, someone who I didn't think got enough in this was Abby Quinn, who played the mother character, um, of Mm. the four horsemen. She is in the movie torn hearts. Uh, from last year, um, which I absolutely oh. loved. So I would suggest Torn Hearts. Um, and then the last one I'll, I'll, I'll say is Pontypole, um, a movie where people are mm. in a bubble, not knowing what's going on outside, and they're trying to figure it out. So if you, it's not necessarily mm. like this in terms of that. It's more like zombie-oriented. Um, but um, in terms of not knowing what's going on in the outside world and what to believe, that's a good one too. Grand. Although you gotta have zombies, you know it's it's zombie season. Well, for you, for sure. Yeah, I think you should watch Pontypool. Pontypool, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I gotta find and see if that's streaming. Someone also suggested Army of the Dead. Have y'all seen that? Yes. You mean with Dave Bautista? (laughs) No fucking way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Grand. Got it. But watch, (laughs) watch Dawn of the the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. Watch that one first because Army of the Dead takes place in the same world. Um, but I would highly suggest oh. watch. It's it, they're both Zack Snyder movies, but Dawn of the Dead maybe his best movie. It's so good. It's a remake, but okay. it's it's one of the best horror remakes ever. Grant. Yeah, it's on the list on the zombie list. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I think that wraps up our episode of Wow. I was going to say Cabin in the Woods. Knock at the cabin. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow us on all the social medias, but especially the TikTok because we want to get to 10K people at Talk Horror Pod POD on all the social medias. And Brian, where can they listen to us? They can listen to us wherever you find podcasts like Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, you can rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank, and thank you. you. Grand. What are I mean, this is not really a quote of a movie. How do you want to end it, Brian? I don't know. There was a quote about chicken in there, and I can't oh, remember what, what it oh, is. So the chicken thing, that was that was M. Night's cameo. Oh, M. Oh, Night's cameo. That's that's yeah, right. when he Oh yeah. He <laughs> the was, random infomercial yes, that he was in or whatever. That's what chicken was. He says something <laughs> exactly. like he has this one line where it's like super crispy. He says something I mean, we loved it. I am I <laughs> yes. I love all of M. Night's cameos. It's so much more egotistical than um, like Hitchcock's cameos. So Hitchcock has a cameo in every movie, yeah. but they're more just like he's walking through the background. M. Night's like full acting, like it, like doing like mm-hmm. a, an air fryer Ronco Showtime grill. I loved it. Oh, yeah. Mm. Thank you, Jane. Oh, you just opened yeah. up my whole world. Because <laughs> how could we have forgotten about oh, the, I the fucking I totally forgot. Man. What oh. a guy. That was grand. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye.